Hey, good morning. Glad to have you with us. It is Gary on Guns, and Carson is in the building. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Chuck Basie, a former state uh, representative, is on board. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, sir. And Dale Roberts, more gun law, more gun law, more gun laws. Uh, just ruined, I just ruined your whole reputation. We don't want Mo more gun laws, but no, good morning. We, good, good morning, mogunlaw.com. But we do have uh, several uh, pieces of legislation that uh, you brought to the table that we will discuss. Uh, then we've got Hunter Biden. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> oh, what a slap on the wrist. Uh, and in the face, frankly, for the rest of us. Uh, we'll talk about uh, rifles, twenty-two caliber rifles. We got show and tell coming up. We got a ton on the table this morning, but I'm going to start off on a lighter note uh, and talk about westerns because they're always fun. And uh, there is a list of the uh, the best westerns on TV, and I don't. I I think they missed a couple of really good ones, and some of the best ones. Yeah, half our listeners are too young to even remember. So uh, we'll kick this around with the guys, and I'll uh, I'll start off. Uh, they say number one is Bonanza. Uh, ran from 1959 to 1973. Most of our listeners weren't born till after that. Uh, were you? Anybody here a big Bonanza fan? I I enjoyed it. We used to watch it with my grandparents uh, on the weekends. I mean, that gives you an idea yeah. how long that's been on. Uh, they say that's number one. Rawhide, uh, which ran from 59 to 65, was number two. That's where Clint Eastwood got his start. Yep. And I, my sister had the biggest crush on him uh, <laughs> when that TV series uh, was running. Big fan. I remember seeing a couple of uh, episodes, but not a lot. Uh, Gunsmoke. I could see Gunsmoke. I mean, that ran from 1955. Till 1975. That's been on for a long time, and it's in reruns everywhere. They didn't. They didn't mention the Wild Wild West. How could they miss that show? I mean, that's Tra that's, trains were too advanced for westerns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anybody watch Dead or Alive? Steve McQueen's TV show. Oh yeah, wanted Dead or Alive. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> you're you're and, older than Anson. And Paladin. <laughs> oh, Paladin. Uh, Jack. Uh, what was his name? Palance. I Jack Palance? No, Jack it wasn't Palance. It was, uh, oh, he play, he starred in Ombre with Paul Newman. So is this just TV shows and not movies? These yeah. are just TV yeah. shows. Because uh, I was like, I, I haven't heard Lonesome Dove yet, and that angers me. Well, they got Hell on Wheels, which was a short-run series on AMC. Have Gun, Will Travel? Have Gun, Will Travel? I don't think that's, that's a godless. I don't even, I don't think I even watched that. Tales uh, or. Or the English. These are recent shows. Tales uh, of Wealth, Wells Fargo with Dale Robertson. Oh, Dale Robertson. You know, do you ever uh, do you remember when that uh, TV show would 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 open and he'd be riding his horse? Vaguely, uh, yeah. Well, he really apparently was a good horse. Uh, he was really good on a horse. I mean, he was sitting up straight. I remember watching him and thinking, this guy knows how to ride. Yellowstone made the list. Not surprising. Yeah, because it's kind of a western. Longmire, do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah I like yeah. that. I like that show. I I, I followed. Have, huh? I'm sorry. I was going to say I wouldn't have thought of that as a western per se, but I like guess, a modern western. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, 1883. Did you guys see that? So that's like the sequel or the prequel to Yellowstone. Yeah. I I have not. Oh, you got to get that. 
That is just... <laughs> what? Did you say Brokeback Mountain? What was that? I said that off air. I that wasn't supposed to go out. <laughs> what Brian likes Brokeback Mountain? <laughs> well, he would. Uh, but 1883. If you haven't gotten that, you've got to watch it. It is just a. It's brilliantly written, brilliantly acted, um, and it's 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 great. Uh, Deadwood was another one that they liked. It was. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah that was that was good. I watched that with Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, uh, anybody see Justified? Oh, I yeah. saw that too. That's good. Twenty ten yeah. to twenty fifteen. That, that's on the wrong side of the Mississippi for a western. Bitch and gripe. Piss oh yeah, I'm telling you, guys got to complain. Did they miss anything for any of you guys? The Rifleman. Oh, oh yeah, Sean yeah. Connors. Yeah. I kind of turned soured on that because I saw him uh, hitting a cat one time. So, 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 anyway, Is that all it takes to alienate you? Because oh. uh, <laughs> I've been looking for a way and I can accommodate that. Oh, cat lovers just uh, quit listening to the show. All right, well, those are some of the best uh, westerns uh, that you will find on TV. Uh, it's fortuitous that we've got Dale with us. Uh, because uh, as a attorney who uh, really specializes in Second Amendment uh, and guns, uh, what do you think of the Biden deal, Hunter Biden's deal? Well, it doesn't look good. And, you know, there's so many times when I see things in the news and I think, well, all right, but I probably don't know all the facts. Maybe, you know, because I've been involved in cases that people might have criticized and I would think, well, yeah, but you didn't know, you know, all the evidence. But uh, there's enough information about the Biden case that I it stinks. I mean, it just has the appearance of, of special treatment, uh, you know, just doesn't look good. And, and, of course, now it gives the president, in theory, the opportunity to say, see, we're not above the law. It's like, well, you got special treatment. Your son did. Well, I, I guess the excuse they gave was that he was on drugs. And that's also the the reason uh, that he lied under oath is because he was on drugs and swore he wasn't. And see, I've always thought if that excuse works, then you have an excuse for drunk driving. Because if they say, well, you were driving while you were drunk, you know, it's against the law. Well, I was drunk at the time. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I, mean, I wasn't in command of my faculty. Yeah. No so give me probation and let me go. Exactly. Uh, I think the deal stinks. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's, it's too late to do anything really about, though there are some other revelations that have come to the table uh, that we'll cover on Monday's uh, regular show, that Hunter Biden really did get a sweetheart deal. And it's really difficult to convince me otherwise, uh, based on his uh, IRS, uh, his uh, text messages. Um, it just it looks like a dirty, dirty deal. His gun crime or crimes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is just nothing about this that doesn't scream, uh, I got a deal. Anyway, uh, we've got uh, some updates. I, last week, I played some excerpts of President Biden's uh, speech on guns in Connecticut. Uh, we've got some more details on that. Uh, probably uh, most famously, uh, what he did was uh, he wrapped his 
he wrapped up his speech with these uh, comments. Remember who we are. We're the United States of America. God save the queen, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hard to understand why he said that, isn't it? A little too late, isn't it? Uh, she passed away. Yeah. Uh, he, he's like wrong on two counts with one statement. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to understand. Uh, all right. Uh, we've uh, we got to bounce here because we got a commercial or two to play because Brian wants his paycheck to go through. So we'll do that, and then we'll come back and chat with the guys. Uh, we've got legislation here uh, that we got to chat about, the pistol braces. Uh, we've got a ton on the table on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Chuck Basie is in, former state representative. We've got uh, Dale Roberts in, uh, mogunlaw.com. And, of course, Garson is in from Graphs. Uh, let's grab this phone call. If you want to call the, the program, uh, the number to call is 800-529-5572. Or you can go to GaryNolan.com, and if you've got a question, we'll answer it. Uh, Tim, good morning. Good morning, guys. How y'all doing? Good. Doing well. What's up? So, I'll get to the point here. Uh, Article 1, Section 26 of the Missouri Constitution is very explicit, and it says every citizen shall have the right to bear arms. With the ruling that came out of the 3rd District of the United States Appeals Court... They expanded that a little bit um, on the federal side. And then asking, you know, what is a citizen? Many would say, well, whenever you are incarcerated you or convicted, you are no longer a citizen or you lose that citizenship. And I would argue that the only way to lose citizenship is either by relinquishing it, renouncing it, um, I think treason, qualifies for loss of citizenship. So it's really hard. There's only like three or four. And then you'd have to file an I-601 waiver. But as a non-citizen, you wouldn't pay the same tax rate. You wouldn't have, you'd, you'd have to get a working permit to work. So the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment of the United States Constitution defines a citizen on those, you know, things. So in Missouri, are they going to do something to expand the expungement law or expand the, expand the ability for those of nonviolent felonies to own, possess, carry, transport, sell firearms? Dale, can you make sense of that? Yes, and I, I mean, I guess the first quick answer is no, or I doubt it. I would be surprised to see the state of Missouri expand the expungement law that far. Um, I mean, I'd be happy if they, it's fine with me if they did, but I will tell you, Chuck Basie and I have tried for the last couple of years, well, let me back up a second. The, the expungement law that Missouri now has, the federal government does not recognize, does not accept it uh, when it comes to firearms issues. And as much as it pains me to say so, I agree with the federal government because the Missouri statute uh, is not a true expungement and it doesn't accomplish what, what needs to be accomplished. So we can't, so far, we haven't even been able to get the expungement statute corrected that we have. And then expanding it that far, you know, I don't know that Missouri would do that. Um, 
and I, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the Third Circuit case. Unfortunately, that only applies in Pennsylvania. In the Third Circuit, doesn't extend to the rest of the U.S. Um, and the citizenship issue, the Missouri Constitution um, doesn't override at this, as to federal laws. You know, federal laws apply on firearms, and Missouri can't undo that. We can. We can declare that we won't enforce federal laws with our state officers, but the federal laws are still in effect. So if a federal officer, FBI, Secret Service, somebody like that uh, encounters somebody who is violating federal law, they can still arrest and prosecute on that. I hope, I think I've covered everything. Well, you know, if he does get caught doing something, like all he's got to do is say he was on drugs. Yeah, Biden defense. Gary? Gary? Yeah. Um, on that, though, like Colorado, Washington, um, and several other states have enacted the laws, and the federal government's position is that the state took your right, they can give you the right back. If the federal government takes your right, they have to give that right back. The state can't. And that was a case out of Walla Walla, Washington on that one. Um, so if Missouri says you can no longer carry a firearm... Then the state of Missouri says, your right is restored. The federal government has to bow out. They have no jurisdiction. But Missouri has not restored your right. I mean, the question is, can we get Missouri to restore your right? And so far they haven't. And, and the, the statute that we do have to restore your right is flawed. I agree. It's very flawed. And there's no way, and, and there's no way uh, Chuck, to, to fix that? Well, there's been an attempt. Uh, every year there's gun bills filed, uh, lots of them, including some expungement uh, modifications. And uh, they just end up, like, like most of the bills that are filed, they just don't make it all, all the way through the process, unfortunately. But that's just the system we have. Very frustrating. But I know that a couple of my former colleagues are going to try again. Uh, next year, you know, Nick Schroer and uh, one of my former House colleagues, Representative uh, Cindy Courtway, had filed some expungement-related bills, and uh, they, they just didn't make it through. Is it not making it through because of timing, or is it not making it through because of a lack of support? Uh, support. Probably both, you know. Yeah, you, you got to get... You certainly got to get leadership on board, and uh, and I think they are. But it's just a matter that, that so many other things are moving through the uh, each chamber. It's just a, a function of time, too. So we, All right. we do Tim. have. I probably can't shouldn't use his name yet, but I mean, we do have a Senate a well placed Senate sponsor who said he would take these issues up next session, whereas the bills in the past have started in the House for the most part. So if we get the bill filed coming from the Senate first. I, that significantly increases the chances of getting it done. And, of course, the last couple of sessions, well, we had one or two years of COVID when very little got done. Then we had a year of redistricting when very little get, got done. And then this last session, the last probably three days when a lot of bills ordinarily move, uh, we had some Republicans who were filibustering their own party and stopped everything. So we've had some really strange years lately. So we'll just have to wait and see. Tim, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on uh, the Gary on Guns program. Um, there is um, the, the pistol brace thing, it, it, and, and the reason I'm bringing it up right now is because these uh, there are some senators uh, like Joe Manchin, 
uh, Kirsten Cinema, uh, Angus King, uh, jo- uh, John Tester, who all say they support the Second Amendment. But they didn't get on board with uh, getting rid of that pistol brace rule. And I find this incredibly frustrating, and we're stuck with this for right now. Is there, uh, Dale, do you know if there's a court challenge yeah. s- still standing? Yes, several. And the interesting thing is, uh, one case uh, challenge to the pistol brace was b- brought by the Gun Owners of America, and one was brought in a separate case by the Second Amendment Foundation. And in both those cases, the federal court has issued an injunction and said that the ATF cannot enforce the pistol brace against the plaintiffs in those cases. And the inter- we're, as you know, I mean, this was off the air earlier, but as you know, you know, ordinarily, if the if the Eighth Circuit issues an opinion, it usually only affects people who live in the Eighth Circuit. But in these two pistol brace cases, the judges specifically said. The ATF can't enforce this to, as to any member of the Second Amendment Foundation, any of the plaintiffs. And the uh, Gun Owners of America case did the same thing as the Gun Owners of America. The, the judge later came out and said that just applies to people who were members of that organization. When I issued the injunction, you can't run out and join now and become a plaintiff. But the, so obviously the... You know, the twist on those is they're saying nationally, you know, it's out of the Fifth Circuit, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi. But the judges said this applies to all Second Amendment Foundation members in the United States, one of which I am a life member. Um, So there's some significant challenges to the pistol brace. And uh, as I was saying earlier, I think off the air, I think the pistol brace and the bump bump stock has been found unconstitutional by one federal court. You know, those things are going to end up in the in the, at the Supreme Court. I, I'm sure it's just a matter of time, a year or, or so. Do we have uh, federal... So we've got federal cases or, or districts uh, that are saying yes and uh, others that are saying no? Yes. Absolutely. And that's usually what brings the case to the Supreme Court. You bet. Yes, sir. Keep keep our fingers crossed. And I'll keep you posted. All right. Uh, well, you're, you guys are going to have to keep us posted on some uh, some legislation that uh, you brought to the table, uh, including uh, increasing the penalty for a firearms offense. So uh, we're up against the clock. We've got to take a, a quick break, uh, but we'll uh, we'll find out about those uh, pieces of legislation and also talk about self defense tools that aren't guns. Uh, there are not a lot of options, but there are a couple. Uh, so if you, for some reason, find you can't carry a gun, you might be able to carry something else. Maybe not as good, but better than nothing. That's coming up on Gary on Guns. Good morning. Glad to have you with us. It is Gary on Guns. Chuck Basie is in, and uh, Garson is in, and uh, Dale Roberts in. And Dale brought in some legislation that we should chat about. Um, increase the penalty for a firearms offense. Let me ask you this. Is this a, a, a variety of legislators uh, that are introducing all of this? Is it one one person, one party? On that particular item, I, I'd have to go back and see. Um, it was contained in a Senate bill, which I'm sure was uh, filed by a Republican. But, you know, things get added on. 
and in the process. So I'm not really sure who added this particular piece. I could go back and find out, but I don't, don't know off the top of my head. So what is it telling us? A person uh, commits the offense of unlawful possession of a firearm if they uh, knowingly uh, have a firearm in their possession. Uh, such person has been convicted of a felony under the laws in the state uh, or of a crime under the laws of any state in the United States. Which would be a what? felony in this state, basically. And what they're doing is enhancing the penalty, um, unlawful possession of a firearm. They're bumping it up from a D felony to a C felony. And if the person has a prior conviction for unlawful possession of a firearm, they're bumping it up from a C felony to a B felony. And the difference, you know, C felony is, is initially three to five years in jail, in prison. B felony is five to 15 years. So they're, you know, they're offering the opportunity for much. Uh, and the D felony that was in there would be uh, normally uh, one to seven years. So they're they're enhancing the opportunity for sentencing on unlawful. Are these mandatory minimums? Well, does the judge have discretion? Can it can a judge say, look, there's he had a credible threat to his life. Uh, he had to go to work, so he he you know violated this law and carried a gun. Do, do they have that option? To some extent, uh, the judge. Well, first of all, prosecutors can do almost anything they want. I mean, the case can be charged can be filed by a law enforcement agency. Prosecutor can say, "I'm not gonna I'm not gonna file that case. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna charge that person," or. A prosecutor conceivably could look at it and go, oh, I think those, the elements that you described there constitute, you know, attempted murder or something else. And, um, you know, there's just a long list of case, you know, appellate cases that say prosecutors uh, have absolute discretion to do what they want. So before it even gets to the judge, the prosecutor can change it one way or the other. Um and then, you know, I've seen cases here in Boone County where the attorney and the prosecutor went before the judge and said, pursuant to the plea agreement, this is what we want to do. And the judge said, that's not tough enough. And after some debate back and forth and a little bit of argument, the prosecutor said, fine, standing in front of the judge, fine, nolly-pross, I'm, I'm dropping the charges. So, you know, the prosecutor has a great deal of discretion and latitude the judge has some, uh, you know. The judge can say, "I'm not going to accept. I'm not going to accept that that penalty." Um, that, well, it, it, you know, if it gets to a jury, then there's less flexibility. But the point is, you know, there's some room to move there. I uh, I can't imagine standing in front of the judge and doing what you just said. You know, you, either you do it my way, or I'm going to drop the charges, and then ever expect to get a good, a good ruling. Uh, from that judge in the future. Well, you know the old saying, sometimes you have to throw an elbow, you know, in basketball. And that's what this prosecutor did, was basically telling the judge, I've got a big caseload. You know, I, I negotiated what I thought was a fair deal with this defense attorney. And at some point, if you don't accept it, then I'll just drop the charges. It was, it was I have to admit, I was in private practice at the time. It was fun to watch. And did they... Uh did the judge accept the changes? 
You didn't have a choice. I mean, the prosecutor just said, I'm dropping the charges. It, you know, this case is gone. There's nothing for you to do. God, if I were the defendant, I'd have been praying. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the funny thing was that the defense attorney stood there for a few minutes and continued to argue his side. And the prosecutor was like, I'm Nolly Prost. It's, I've dismissed the charges. We're, we're done here. You can go. <laughs> you won. Oh, man. I'll tell you his name off the air. But anyway, um, and that prosecutor went on to be, he was an assistant prosecutor in Boone County, went on to be the prosecutor in a neighboring county and had quite a good career. Republican. Wow. All right. Tell me about Blair's Law and what, what the legislation is. So I'm going to, I'll say one or two things, and then Chuck can kind of, Chuck's had, you know, been there for the history of this. Um, I'll just preface it by saying that the change says a person commits the, un the offense of unlawful discharge of a firearm with criminal negligence if he or she discharges a firearm within the city limits or into a city. And then it, you know, it has exceptions for self-defense, being at a shooting range, being a law enforcement officer. But we're, you know, it didn't used to be an offense if I fired, well, so in this, the city where I live, it, there's an ordinance against shooting a gun in city limits. But that's just an ordinance and it's an infraction. It's not, a, it wouldn't be a criminal conviction. Now, you, anywhere in Missouri, if you're inside a municipality, it's a criminal offense to discharge a firearm unless you fall into one of the exceptions. And that bothers me a little bit. But Chuck, Chuck can explain, you know, how this came about. He knows the history better than I. Yeah, this, this is uh, what, what happened was there was a, a little, this is named after the little girl that got killed. She was out playing in her yard. Uh, I think she was uh, eight to ten years old, very, very young child. And... Um, Something happened where, uh, uh, and it, it's a common occurrence where something happens in the community and uh, the the population starts shooting firearms up into the air. And um, so this, uh, it might have been the 4th of July if I remember right. Um, anyway, this little girl uh, was uh, unfortunately hit by one of these bullets that came down and uh, struck her and killed her. And so her, her parents uh, were advocating for uh, an upgrade and the penalties for this. It's probably not going to change it, but uh, I think the, uh, the law is uh, there now to hopefully uh, if something happens like this and they catch the individual that is responsible, uh, they will be going or facing much more significant charges. So very unfortunate. I was actually in several of these hearings. This was, I think, this was in front of the uh, committees I sat on every year I was in the legislature, and they finally got it done. You know, last year when I, or this this last session. But um, I tell you what, to hear those parents uh, talk about um, that happening to them, it was very very heartbreaking. Really, it's just terrible to sit there and listen to them, especially the mother. It was just, I, you know, it's just hard to. Hard to imagine that happening to you when you know, somebody you love, especially a little girl, your daughter out there playing in the yard gets killed like that. Wouldn't that just be manslaughter? Well, it, you know, again, it's a, I think it'd be a tall order by finding the, the person that is doing it because I mean it's just happening all over the place. I talked to some of the reps that live over there, and they said it's just um, continuous gunfire, people out there shooting their weapons up in the air. Wow! And what city was this? This was is this in Kansas City. Kansas City, yeah. Oh man, that that's just insane. 
Um, all right. There is apparently uh, in Missouri, and, and I don't know of any other state that has this, uh, an official state rifle. <laughs> Uh, I don't, you know, I don't, uh, I don't think any other state has one. Maybe they do, but here in Missouri, we have an official state rifle. And what it, 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 it does? It, when did they quit making the Hawken rifle, or do they still make the damn thing? You can still buy a new one, yeah. Really? Yeah. Lyman has a kit for them, and I believe Pettersolly makes a couple versions of Hawken and Trapper rifles. These were muzzle-loading rifles that were manufactured in St. Louis, and apparently fur trappers uh, like those rifles. Um, the official yeah, Missouri I, rifle. I, I, you know, at one time I spoke to a legislator who did a lot of Second Amendment stuff, and just just chit-chatting, I said, you know, if we had a state rifle, it seems like it ought to be the Henry because they proudly advertise it's made with nothing but Missouri walnut. And, you know, he didn't think Missouri needed a state rifle. And I agreed there were, we had bigger issues to worry about. Um, someone did this, this session, obviously. It, there's no harm in it other than, it, I think, again, Chuck will tell you, there are, there are times when legislators say, you know, we have bigger fish to fry than spending time on, uh, you know, making a law for state rifle. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, uh, there's so many other issues that the uh, legislature could go after, even gun-related. Uh, that just uh, strikes me as amusing. All right, we are up against the clock. Quick break. We're going to come back. Gary on guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Uh, looking for uh, alternatives. You, for some reason, can't carry a gun, but you want to have some tool to defend yourself. First thought that comes to mind uh, would be a, a knife. Anybody disagree with that? No. No. I don't want to get that close, but no. Yeah, yeah uh, clearly you don't. Um, but it, it's, um, I can't imagine where you'd be able to carry a, a sizable enough knife to make a difference where you couldn't just carry a gun, but I guess those Australia? places. Huh? Australia? What did Crocodile Dundee carry? Uh, uh, no, no, here in the United States. Oh, oh yeah. darn it. Yeah, that, that makes it. Uh, what about a flashlight, like the old mag lights? I, I don't know if they still make those or not, but. They do, but, you know, all the flashlights I carry are, you know, weigh four ounces, you know, <laughs> LED light, plastic, or something. Yeah, but you can get the ones with the crenellated bezels. Well, true, yeah, you can get the Kubaton. metal bezels so that you get a DNA sample when you smack them. Yeah, or, or you just shove it down their throat and hope they choke on it, but that's, you know, that's a little, a little tougher. Uh, somebody suggested a, a chisel, a cold chisel. Ooh. Uh, doesn't look like a weapon, but it certainly could be used as a weapon. Yeah, but finding a safe way to carry that is probably going to be harder than a pocket knife. Yeah, well, uh, these are just alternatives that uh, people might... But that's interesting. That That's something that might... So, you know, I do the free legal clinic at the VA hospital, and there they, the sign is no weapons, nothing, nada, absolutely nothing. And... I suppose if you had a chisel on you, you know, you'd have a, you know, you could argue, well, that's not a weapon. I, you know, just... TSA would still take it. Would they? Yeah, because yeah, they sharpened edge. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
What about, they would. what about a sock full of loose nickels? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, well, I thought you guys used soap in your uh, in your socks. <laughs> yeah. That too. Uh, Dewalt makes a, <laughs> a short chisel set. Um, they're inexpensive. Uh, the eighth inch width is uh, adequate weapon for uh, standoff fights. Uh, and uh, they're cheap enough. You lose one, it's no big deal. And uh, the rubberized grips are easier to manipulate. So I, I just yeah. I mean, feel if, if you're going to carry tools, though, I'd go with like a roofing hammer or a crowbar. Well, those are a little bigger, obvious, you know, hard to hide. Well, I, I, would just feel, I would just feel funny saying, stop or I'll chisel you. Well, you've been chiseling people for years. It should be no... <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have set him up. Yeah. Uh, what about a screwdriver? I mean... It, it, yeah, it's probably just as effective as the chisel. Yeah. Yeah. And more commonly carried. Nobody, you know, I don't think that would be a big deal. Well, anyway, those are just some alternatives, unless you guys can think of any other ones. Oh, pepper spray. Pepper spray? What you about know, a stun gun? The, the Kimber Pepper Master... And I know they have it at graphs because I asked Garson. Um, I, you know, I buy those for my little sister, and and they're cheap I, for what they are. Yeah, it's a, it's what the security officers carry at one of the local hospitals. It's a great, def, you know, self defense, less lethal option. Have any of you guys ever been hit with pepper spray? No, I, not directly. I have, you know, breathed in a small amount of it from being in the wrong place at the wrong time and it's no fun um we had some cans at target masters when i worked there that expired and the seal started leaking uh so it kind of like dusted the entire shop in that <laughs> it's so awful that that wasn't fun but i did get to take the cans home and make chili out of them which was awesome <laughs> <laughs> well at, you know a lot of police officers maybe most police officers get exposed to it somewhat regularly and i don't i don't know if they build up an immunity but i've seen them you know, when they've been exposed to pepper spray and they'll just laugh and go, you know, can I get some chips with my hot sauce? Wow. You know, wow, yeah. It's a way um, of life. What about uh, just a stun gun? Or... Uh, or taser. Tasers, yeah. And those again, are... those are that middle ground. You know, it's something you obviously couldn't take in a post office or a VA hospital, but you could, you know, take it some places. Public transportation? I think so. I'd have to go back and look at that statute on on uh, weapons. We still we still can't carry a, a firearm on a bus, right? Correct. And I know there have been several attempts to fix that. Yes. And the municipalities, Springfield, Springfield, Kansas City, and St. Louis always send their people to object. And, you know, bus companies, you know, oh, no, we'll have dogs and cats living together. We can't do this. Be at the end of the world. You know, that defense. So uh, a, a good belt with a heavy buckle would probably make a pretty decent weapon. Ooh, and I know a guy that can make that. TheSuperBelt.com. Yeah. So um, there, there are options out there. Yeah, but the, the, the super belt is good because uh, you can defend yourself against multiple people. Brian and I have discovered, uh, thanks to uh, one uh, gay actor in Chicago... Uh, that there is one more weapon that you can use to fend off the bad guys. Brandon Sandals. Nope, that's incorrect. No, no. Yeah, no. no, no. This is a edible weapon. Subway sandwich? Well, yeah. Be close. But what kind of sandwich, What kind Brian? of Subway sandwich, Chuck? 
Um, I'm at a, I, I've heard it, but I can't remember what you guys were talking about one uh, day. That would be a club sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. It worked for Jesse Smollett. He fended off two guys, uh, huge guys, uh, with that. Uh, well, it was like negative 10 then, right? So it was probably frozen solid. <laughs> yeah, well, True. I know you thought about that. Probably ate it later, but <laughs> get yourself a club sandwich from Subway and you'll be safe. Oh, God. Uh, we got show and tell. What? Uh, we'll do that in just a few minutes. In the meantime, uh, let's talk about uh, Magnum, 22 Magnum rifles. Uh, it, uh, any of you guys own one? Anybody have one? I do not. I, I have one bolt gun. And, you know, it, it's uh, great for getting the little varmints, right, if you're living out in the out in the uh, uh, rural areas. Yeah, you can pop a coyote with them, too, so not necessarily little ones, but yeah. Uh, who do you think makes the best one? The best one? Yeah, in your opinion. Um, well, I would, say probably, I would probably say Savage. Savage? The uh, Savage Arms 93F? <laughs> With uh, the 22 Magnum? Yeah. I, you know, one of your guests a couple of weeks ago, I thought, ha said they had a, a Ruger 1022 in 22 Magnum. And I would love to have that, although I can't say I need it, but when is that ever an issue? It's not the Bill of Needs, it's the Bill of Rights. <laughs> well, uh, if you've got uh, little varmints running around your rural property, uh, that's something you might uh, think about getting a, a good one. Um there are uh, some recommendations uh, that uh, they have at the uh, National Gun Broker. And uh, the Marlin XT-22M, the Savage Arms 93F, uh, the Ruger American Rimfire Standard, and uh, the CZ-457 American. Just some ideas for getting rid of the varmints. Speaking of the varmints, we'll all be back in just a few minutes with show and tell. I'm Gary Ann Guns.